well, a couple housekeeping items before we get uh, going this morning. Uh, be praying for Pastor Chuck. He's, he's doing better. He was on vacation, came back, and ended up with a fever and Lord knows what else, but uh, his fever broke yesterday, uh, but he texted and said, hey, Doug. <laughs> and so here I am. Uh, and so, uh, but be praying for him uh, that, uh, that uh, his recovery will be, be quick and swift. Um, so uh, this morning, as we uh, uh, looked to Father's Day, um, uh, I want us to, to, you know, the title of my message is Refocusing on Father's Day. And, and i got to admit, this outline came from Pastor Mark Strong, uh, and, and I, then I kind of customized it uh, and, and put um, my, own, uh, my, own, my own personality into it. So uh, anyhow, uh, thank you for Pastor Mark and his uh, outline uh, to help me this week. Um, and so it was about 10 years ago, um, uh, I started getting some neck aches and back, uh, neck pain and, uh, and, and eventually I realized that uh, I sit behind my desk a lot and I look at this glowing screen and, and I realized that I had changed my posture, I had changed uh, the position of how I sat so that I could see the screen somehow. And, and so uh, I, I unknowingly shifted my posture uh, and my head so that I could see clearly. And there were two things that I realized. One, that my vision had changed and that I needed to go see my eye, eye doctor again. And I also realized that one's vision has the ability to change so gradually that it can go unnoticed uh, to the point where what was so common becomes out of focus and unrecognizable. And so it is official, as of 10 years ago, that I joined the Over the Hill Club and have bifocals. <laughs> How many have bifocals? Yes, praise the Lord. They, they really are wonderful. Um, but um, uh, the ability uh, to see clearly is important. Fatherhood and fatherlessness are issues in our nation uh, that are in desperate need of immediate clarity of focus and our attention. So one, one critical aspect of fatherhood that is plaguing our society is, is in epidemic proportions is fatherlessness. In America and throughout the world, father absenteeism is prevalent and the ramifications are devastating. Fatherlessness uh, adversely affects individuals, our families, our neighbors, our churches, our cities, and our nation. Studies show that fatherlessness impacts education, poverty levels, social behavior, health care, emotional development, and the list of other factors that are essential to our children's well-being. Coupled with fatherless crisis uh, is the intimate struggle men encounter in not only trying to be a present father, but being a good father as well. Being present is one thing, but being a good father is a whole different ballgame. Many dads are present in the home, but being present is no guarantee that they are going to be loving and nurturing fathers God intended them to be in their home. 
uh, a present bad dad uh, can have done equal or sometimes even more damage uh, to their children and family than an absentee dad. I know this. My biological father was one of those dads who caused more damage by his presence. Men who love their families constantly grapple with this question. How can I be a better dad? You may ask yourself, well, where can the average man find out what it takes to be a good dad? Well, the shorter answer is there's not too many places. Spiritually, our, our fatherhood crisis has created a relational and theological challenge as it relates to our Heavenly Father. So we call the God of the universe Father, and He is. God is our loving Heavenly Father, and He is a good Father. However, our current fatherhood fog distorts our, His image in the hands, hearts of those who are desperately longing for a Father's love. They can only see him through the lens of their earthly father, their personal experience. I know through personal experience that my biological uh, father scarred me and my family. It took me, a, it took me many years uh, for me to reconcile within myself that my heavenly father truly was a good and loving father. I couldn't tell you the many times that I've uh, talked with people over the years, especially women who have uh, expressed how the concept of God as Father was unsafe for them because of the pain it inflicted on them by their earth earthly father. They can't embrace the love of their heavenly Father, and I get it. I get it. Some refer to God as, as the Good Shepherd or Abba, which means Daddy, because the term Father has been so tainted for them. And so regardless of where you are on the fatherhood spectrum, uh, there is hope and help available for you. There is hope and help available for you if your daily existence involves coping with the chronic pain of a father, a father's wounds caused by an absent father or an abusive father. There is hope and help available for you if the feeling of inadequacy and the inability to be a good father to your children dwarfs your soul. There is hope and help available for you if you are longing for the love of your heavenly father, but you're too afraid to, to let go and fall into the embrace of his loving and awesome arms. Yes, hope and help are present and available for you, and it's found in the revelation of God our Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. And so the, the baptism of Jesus is found in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. And it speaks powerfully to the issue of fatherhood and fatherlessness. Though the passage marks the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, these ver verses allow us to, the privilege of beholding one of the most intimate interactions between Jesus and his father. In the beauty of this moment, we see Jesus acting in loving obedience to his Father and the Father disclosing to the world unashamedly how deeply he loves his Son. 
And so the divine warmth of the Father and Son radiates four life-changing truths that powerfully address the subject of fatherhood. But before we get to them, let's read Matthew 3, beginning at verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is what he was this is he who was spoken, this is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were, were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. <clears throat> then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And then as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. The first truth uh, that we see in this passage is related to fatherhood, is that God the Father is present with his son. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to date myself here a little bit, and some of you can join me in this. But back in 1972, how, how many of you remember the temptations? All right. Um, and so the, they had a hit song that came out, uh, and it was entitled, Papa Was a Rolling Stone. 
Some of you remember that? Well, it definitely had a, a bass groove to Motown. Uh, and the main tagline in the song was a fatherless lament to a bro of a broken family. And so just take a brief listen to the, the tagline of that song. Get grooving. alone. Across America in, in 2022, data indicates that 18.3 million children live in a home without a father in the home. That's one in four. 80% of single parent homes are led by single mothers. Children from single parent families are twice as likely to suffer from mental health and behavioral problems. 70% of youth in state-operated facilities were from single-parent homes. In a study of 56 school shootings, 82% grew up in either unstable homes or grew up without one or both biological parents present. Now these percentages, they represent not just sterile numbers, but children like yours. And they daily are longing for a dad's love and affection. Each day, the hole uh, in their soul remains a barren canyon because a father is not present to fulfill the longing of their young hearts. Their dads are MIA, missing in action. My biological father was present physically, but he was not present in anything involving me except once. And I can't recall if I've shared this before, but my older siblings were involved in Cub Scouts and my sister was involved in, in a brownies group, uh, is what it was called. I don't even know if they still exist, but um, one evening everyone had an event to go to but me, because I was uh, younger. And so I remember my mom telling my, my, my father that, that he should take me out and do something with me while she took the others to their events. And so he finally agreed. And so my father put me in the car and we went to Burger King in Pottstown, which was about 15, 20 minutes away. And um, he allowed me to order two Whopper Juniors. I had never had two Whopper Juniors before. And I ate them. <laughs> uh, and then he took me, uh, he drove me to the top of what I thought was a mountain. Uh, looking back now, I've, I've visited that place, and really it was just a steep wooded hill. Um, but I thought it was a mountain. And uh, we walked around, and then he told me that, that I could climb down the hill by myself, and that he would drive down and meet me at the bottom. And so I was so excited. Uh, we were doing something together, and he trusted me to go down the hill by myself. Uh, and so I vividly remember that evening to this very day. 
and it's the only time I ever remember having one-on-one -on -one time with my dad. The only time. It never would have happened if my mom hadn't told my dad to take me. So when I was 12, my dad abandoned his family and he left. He left a void in my life, confusion in my mind, and a cloud of sadness that is never really far away. You see, my biological father may have abandoned me, but God the Father did not abandon his son, Jesus. The Bible tells us that when Jesus came out of the water at his baptism, the Holy Spirit descended and rested on him. Yes, the Spirit was the empowering agent in Jesus' ministry. However, this was also a sign that God was present with his Son. His Spirit was resting on Jesus. He was not going to leave him fatherless. God the Father would always be there for his Son. If God thought it was important to let the whole world know that he was present with his son, how important it is for fathers today to be present with their children. Fathers, your children need you. God was present with his son, and he gave you the grace, the strength, and the courage to be present with your children. Make an inward resolve to overcome your fears and become a present father. A good father is a present father, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And then we come to the second uh, truth that is found in verse 17. In this passage, we also see God the Father acknowledging his son. He thunders these words, this is my son. Speaking from heaven, God the Father makes a bold declaration to the world saying, this is my son. In essence, he's saying, no one makes a mistake about it. No one makes a mistake about it. He belongs to me. I am his father and he is my son. God the Father leaves no doubt surrounding his relationship to Jesus Christ. Jesus is clear... Jesus is clear on who his father and so those and so we uh, so we're those who heard the father speak it. And so our fatherless culture today, children and adults are longing to hear those life-giving words from their father. Those who have grown up uh, with or have fathers who have conveyed that message uh, to their hearts are very blessed and fortunate. However, sadly, there are countless individuals who long for their father's acknowledgement and who never receive it. I remember back in 1996, and you'll remember this too, Scott, but uh, Promise Keepers was a big movement. Does anybody remember Promise Keepers? Yeah. And so uh, I had been married for four years, and and so I decided, you know what, I'm going to invite my father-in-law, John Cooper, uh, to go to an event with, with me. And so uh, I thought it would be a great chance to get to know him and to spend time with him. And so he drove uh, to Talmadge, 
and he went with our church to Buffalo, New York to attend the, this Promise Keepers event. And uh, we were in a stadium, I can't remember, Scott, was it over 10,000, I think, uh, over 10,000 men. Uh, but it was a great event. Um, uh, the worship was amazing. Uh, you could sense the Holy Spirit that was in the place. It, it was just an incredible time. The speakers spoke to us ab about our responsibility as a human being and a husband and a father and a grandfather and a son. And at one point, I was so overwhelmed with emotion. Here I am. I'm blessed to be standing beside my father-in-law worshiping God in, a, in this amazing place and connecting with each other. And then all of a sudden, a thought and longing in the depths of my soul was telling me I wanted to experience this with my biological father. This joyous Promise Keepers event started a spiral of overwhelming emotion and depression. I longed to have a relationship with my biological father. I often wondered why he didn't like me or, or want to spend time with me. I know he grew up in a generation that, it, that didn't really uh, share their feelings or express their emotions, but I longed to have some kind of positive affirmation from him. Instead, I was left with his words repeating in my head, you're stupid, you're lazy. It took a year of weekly therapy to process everything. To this day, I still have a hard time shaking those thoughts from my mind. It was in 2001, just after 9-11, uh, my biological father died. I was 37 and he was 73, and I bawled my eyes out. I bawled my eyes out not because uh, he had died, or that I had missed him, but because my dream of having a meaningful conversation or relationship with him died with him. It was never going to happen. There's a, a ceremony in uh, the Jewish tradition called the Act of Redemption, and it speaks powerfully of the need uh, and, and others that I and others have and that is to have a father's acknowledgement. The ceremony goes like this. Uh, on a child's 31st day, a child is brought to the rabbi in the presence of family and guests. And when the father approaches the altar with the child, he is asked if he desires to leave the child or to redeem him. If the father chooses to redeem the child, he hands a special coin to the rabbi and the rabbi pronounces three times in the presence of the company of people, your child is redeemed, your child is redeemed, your child is redeemed. And then the child is returned to the father. See, the implications of this ritual, they're exciting. For once, the father publicly acknowledges that he accepts full responsibility for his child before God and people. Second, the child grows up knowing that his dad had a choice to leave them or to redeem them. Knowing that they have a father who wanted them and chose them 
has great positive spiritual, emotional, and psychological implications throughout the child's life. Just as God acknowledged his son, natural fathers are expected to do the same. In an age where many children don't even have a father's name on their birth, their birth certificates, this ritual speaks volumes to the importance and the need for a father to acknowledge their children. God the Father acknowledged his son. As dads, you have the responsibility and the privilege of acknowledging your children too. The third truth, also found in verse 17. In the passage, we also hear and see God expressing his love for his son. This is my son whom I love. God's love for Jesus was not only mere words and sentiment. His love for Jesus was expressed through tangible ways and actions. God the Father lived in close proximity to Jesus to know what he needed. Matthew 16, beginning at verse 9, is the Lord's Prayer. Here, by teaching us how to pray, Jesus shows us how our loving Heavenly Father is committed to meeting our needs as children. Here are a few brief observations from the prayer. Our Father, who is in heaven, well, it tells me he's present and attentive. His kingdom come and will be done. It tells me he desires the best for his children. Give us our daily bread. Tells me he provides for his children's daily needs. Forgive us our debts. It tells me he forgives his children. And lastly, deliver us from evil. It tells me he protects his children from evil. So many times, as dads, you may think your only responsibility is to provide food, clothing, and shelter. It's not so. Children have other needs, too. As a dad, you have the privilege of being a father who lives in close, close loving proximity with your children so that you can best know how to meet their needs and show them your love. The fourth truth is also found in verse 17. The father is also affirming his son. God tells the world, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Affirmation is powerful and we all need it desperately. Time will not permit us to talk about all the casualties and heartaches of life uh, people have experienced in search of healthy affirmation. I find this phrase of the text so amazing. Here, God tells the world that Jesus is his son whom he loves and that he is well pleased. Think of it for a moment. At this point in Jesus' life, he has not preached a sermon he has not healed the sick. He has not raised the dead. He has not cast out any demons. He has not called the disciples. He hadn't died on the cross. 
and he hadn't risen from the grave. However, the father validates him not for what his son has done or for future works he will do. The father affirms Jesus solely because of who he is. Because he is his beloved son. It would have made all the difference in my life if my biological father would have affirmed any aspect of my life. I heard this story uh, about a men's retreat. And it was a group of, I think, approximately 30 to 40 men of all ages. And they sat around the room in the presence of God and each other, and they were sharing their joys and their, their deep aches of the soul. And so sitting in the chair uh, with his face buried in his hands, his head occasionally rising to grasp a breath, was a young man sobbing. And he would say, why doesn't he want me? I don't understand why my dad doesn't want me. Why doesn't he want me, man? What's wrong with me? Well, none of the older men or young men in the room had an answer to his question. But most of us knew the problem. This young man was crying out for the acceptance and affirmation of his father. He was saying, I am such a de defect that I am unlovable as a son. What happened next was absolutely beautiful and unscripted. An older man in the group, he got up out of his seat and walked over to this young man. He embraced him and in a loud voice he said to him, I'll be your dad and you're my son. The older gentleman kept his word until the day he died. Amen. Like the young man in this story, God provided for me. After my dad abandoned our family when I was 12 and my mother died when I was 14, I was 15 when Jeff and Joan Feimreyer asked if I would like to move in with them. They said this arrangement wasn't just until I was 18. They wanted me to be a part of their family for the rest of their lives. Being very shy, it, it took me two days to have the courage to tell them yes. <laughs> uh, I was nearly 16 when I very quietly asked them if I could call them mom or dad. They felt honored. And I got to experience a dad's love and encouragement consistently for the first time. If it wasn't for them, I would still have a distorted view of my Heavenly Father. They stepped in and became what I needed, and I will be forever grateful. God is good. Amen. There's a, a conference, uh, and it's called Father Shift. The purpose of this conference is to bring awareness to fatherlessness and facilitate healing to equip individuals and churches to address the issue. And so at, at, the, at a Seattle conference, one of the speakers shared this experience that he had following the women's night. They had one night for women and one night for men. 
and, and so while he was making his way to his car, two women approached him with tears of joy streaming down their faces. And so one of the two women, he said, uh, the, the one woman uh, that pulled his heartstrings uh, and made him tear uh, up with tears of joy um, came up to him. And, and she was an 80-year-old 80, 80 lady. And he said, she grabbed me and asked, where were you guys 50 years ago? I've lived all these years with this father pain. And tonight, God gave me what I desperately longed for. And I didn't even know this could happen. Amen. And so then it was during the men's night portion of the conference. They had the men pair up with each other and look directly into the eyes of each other's eyeballs and say to each other, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Men who were strangers, melting like butter, fell into the arms of each other. Shame or embarrassment had no place in that moment. The presence of God the Father filled the auditorium. Men of all ages and colors, some for the first time that night, heard life-giving words affirming them as a beloved son. You may be like the, the young man or the 80-year-old woman longing for the affirmation of your father. I want to tell you, you are, you are not flawed. You are not unlovable. Though your earthly father may never have affirmed you, your heavenly father will. It was God the Father's pleasure to affirm Jesus, and it's his pleasure to affirm you. Hear these words today. You are his child. He loves you, and he is well pleased. Dads, make sure you take the time to speak these life-giving words into your children, too. They need desperately to hear them. Today, you may be a person who is living with a father wound. Your earthly father may have failed you, but God will not. He promises to be the father you always wanted and needed. Just as he opened the heavens to proclaim his love for his son Jesus, he will touch the pain in your heart and pour out love and mercy to heal your deepest wounds. Today, you may long to be a better father to your children. Follow the example of your heavenly father. Be present with your children physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Find creative ways to let your children know that they are yours and that you wouldn't trade them for the world. Understand this. You're not perfect. But who is? Stop beating yourself up over your shortcomings. Rely on your loving father to give you the grace you need to be the father he wants you to be. He will help you to be present, acknowledging, loving, and affirming to your children. Today, your heart may be burdened for 
the many fatherless children living in your extended family or, or church or community. Allow the Father's heart to become your heart. Find a child to whom you can be a mentor, become a big brother, a surrogate dad, or a grandpa. Be there for them and share the heart of your heavenly Father with them. Let them know how valuable they are and how much God and you love them. There is no need to try to be a pro at this. Just being present in a kid's life is invaluable. And remember, your prayers make a difference in the lives of the fatherless too. Won't you pray with me? Lord, my heavenly father, my good shepherd, my Abba, the time to refocus on fatherhood is now. And by one your wonderful grace, help each one of us to get active so that we might make a difference in a child's life. Lord, if we have father wounds, heal us. Heal our hearts. Fill those empty places. And through your Holy Spirit and through the encouragement of others, we will know that you are a good Heavenly Father. We love you. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, and the difference that he makes in our lives.